everybody and welcome to the Happy Girls podcast. I hope you're enjoying the sunny days, even if it's mostly from the inside of your home. I hope whoever's listening that you have a garden, that you are somewhere safe and that you're taking care of yourself. Today's episode is all about self-care and our yeah. guest today is Sarah Bryan. She's a body image coach all the way from Australia, which is pretty impressive. And she's here to talk to us about her job, about the way she recovered from an eating disorder and her struggle with getting a diagnosis. Hi, my name's Sarah Bryan and I'm a body image activist, coach and eating disorder survivor from Melbourne, Australia. I empower women to rebel against society's beauty and body standards so that they can feel confident, worthy and free to be their authentic selves. I use my lived experience with negative body image, binge eating disorder and chronic dieting to help my clients discover their worth outside of weight and appearance using a non-diet approach. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being with us today. It really means a lot. And honestly, it's really, really cool that you are speaking to us all the way from Australia. I have to say I am pretty impressed. And, and yeah, I'm just generally very grateful that you've decided to be on here. I just want to like emphasize that people like Sarah are able, thanks to modern technology, to work from all over the world, which I think is fantastic. The first thing that we're going to be talking about is actually Sarah's recovery from an eating disorder. We spoke a few weeks ago with Elena Carraro, who mentioned how binge eating disorder is the least known um, eating disorder uh, because it's not as well represented in books or movies or just generally not as talked about and this is actually the one Sarah suffered from so she was kind enough to decide to have a chat with us about that and some of the recognizable symptoms of a binge eating disorder and how one can go about recovering from that so yes Sarah feel free to share with us your experience as much as you feel comfortable with of course so binge eating disorder is only quite recently a recognized eating disorder. So there's a lot of misunderstanding and lack of education and knowledge about it. I guess my first experiences with binge eating happened when I was a teenager. Um, I was about 16. I was going through a really tough time. At school, I was dealing with appearance-based bullying Um I'd experienced trauma and had quite a dysfunctional home life. So I didn't really know how to process or cope with the negative feelings and emotions I was experiencing. And then I somehow discovered food as a way to sort of numb myself, to self-soothe, and it became a coping mechanism that I ended up carrying throughout my life so about for about 12 years until I was finally diagnosed. Another aspect to the binge eating was my obsession with my body. I had really poor body image which a lot of it was due to the bullying I was dealing with at school but also because of the way my body changed during puberty. This along with society's expectations of the ideal female body, played a huge role in the way I began to feel about myself. And I really started to believe that my worthiness was tied to my weight and I constantly felt the pressure to make my body smaller. It was also around this time that I started experimenting with dieting 
Um, you know, as a 16-year-old, I started restricting certain foods. So, you know, what I would define as bad foods. Um, I was even skipping meals. I counted my calories and I only exercised to lose weight. So what would happen is I would lose weight and then because I was depriving myself of my favorite foods but I also wasn't eating enough I would just eat and keep eating and then I would feel so ashamed um, and so guilty that I'd eaten so much food or the types of food I was eating so I would then punish myself by dieting and you know, tell myself that it was my fault that I couldn't stick to a diet, that I didn't have the willpower. So obviously I tried it again and again and it would always end the same way. Um, I would diet, lose weight, feel really miserable, even though I'd lost the weight, but then, you know, miserable because I wasn't, you know, getting enough energy because I wasn't eating enough or I was depriving myself of, you know, the foods that I really enjoyed and eating foods that I didn't enjoy. So, you know, then I would go on to binge because I was hungry um, and, of course, feel even more miserable. And then, um, you know, depending on how long the binge cycles went for, there'd be weight gain and then I'd go back to dieting and repeat that. So it really became a vicious cycle Um, and as I said earlier it went undiagnosed for over 12 years so this was essentially my life from the age of 16 until my late 20s so it was quite a long time. I found it really difficult to talk to anyone about what it was I was experiencing mainly because I didn't quite understand what it was or what I was going through. I never once thought that I actually had an eating disorder and unfortunately that was because I thought that I didn't look like I had one. Um, Back when I was in high school, you know, we didn't have, although it wasn't that long ago, we didn't really have the awareness or we didn't really have conversations about mental health or eating disorders the way that we do now. And although that we still have a long way to go, um, I think things are very different now. So, you know, growing up, I believed that an eating disorder, you know, looked a certain way. Um, and to me, an eating disorder was you know, anorexia and the stereotype that came with that. So someone really thin, um, emaciated and, you know, not eating. And I I didn't look like that. You know, I thought I didn't engage in those behaviours. So I didn't think that I had an eating disorder Um you know, I'd never expressed any concerns to anyone. I thought that, you know, not liking your body was normal because of the conversations I was having with my peers, you know, the things I was seeing on TV. So people my size wanting to lose weight, 
so I just never put two and two together I just thought you know it's my fault I'm the way I am I don't have an eating disorder and you know something else that was happening during this time was you know when I was going into my my regular doctor's appointments for checkups or whatever that was I was often told that I needed to lose weight so you know I thought I couldn't possibly have an eating disorder because if you know they wouldn't be telling me to lose weight if I did anyway so a few years ago something came up in a session with my psychologist at the time and I started to tell her about my complication complicated relationship with food and she ended up recommending a dietitian that specialized in eating disorders so I think I ended up looking at her website and the types of people that she worked with and I read the description of binge eating disorder and it really resonated with what was going on for me and my experience. So, you know, I ended up seeing her, ended up getting my treatment, got my diagnosis um, and I was able to commence my journey to recovery but it definitely did take a long time to figure out what I was experiencing. If anybody in the audience needs to hear this, what are some of the symptoms of a binge eating disorder that we might not be so knowledgeable about? So some symptoms of binge eating can be, you know, a lack of control when you're eating. So feeling like no matter what, you can't stop. Eating when you're not physically hung- hungry, so often eating to, you know, curb some uncomfortable feelings um, or, you know, distract yourself or avoid thinking about your problems. Eating in secret is a big one. So, you know, I was often eating quite normally in front of others, in front of people at school, in front of my partners, in front of my family, but then, you know, binging would take place alone. Eating large amounts of food, um, often to the point of feeling, you know, uncomfortably full. There was obviously the negative body image, um, you know, a huge focus on my body image. My days were just spent thinking about body image. I was experiencing depression and anxiety. I was feeling a lot of guilt, shame, disgust, um, distress after binging episodes um, and often a person with binge eating disorder will engage in dieting behaviors after binge episodes so like I was saying my sort of cycle that I was going through. Thank you so much Sarah for sharing all of that with us it does sound really tough and I think it makes it even harder when you don't have as many reference points. I think what's really chilling about what you said what's really scary is how long it actually took for you to get a diagnosis from a medical professional, you know? There's lots of studies around showing that pain perceived by women is taken less seriously than the pain perceived by men. And um, I think this is particularly true when it comes to eating disorders, to polycystic ovary syndrome. Um, there are some specific diseases that um, or syndromes that seem to be really hard to catch and most of it might be might, com- might be coming down to the fact that there's not enough research done on the subject but um, certainly there is a level of underestimation in regards to 
how much pain women are actually capable of carrying on their shoulders before they're taken seriously. Um, this comes in handy actually, but the other day I just googled out of curiosity why women get nauseous during pregnancy and you might be surprised to know that there is actually no answer. Like we still don't know and it's it's pretty funny but also pretty sad because it's the, it's the first thing you associate with pregnancy. But, um, but we don't know why it happens. There are, there are theses, there are ideas as to why, that it might have to do with hormones, but we don't actually know why. Um, so there's still too much that we need to learn about women's bodies. And I think it's about time we start to taking this seriously. Um, so Sarah, yes, what's been your experience dealing with medical professionals and trying to get you know, your voice heard? So to be honest, I'm not sure if that has been my experience with the medical practitioners that I've seen, but I know that it definitely does happen. Something that stood out to me when dealing with medical practitioners has mostly been around my body and often not taking my concerns seriously because of my body. And an example of this was when I was struggling with my eating disorder and I'd go to the doctors a lot for my mental health, so, you know, for my regular checkups, for medication, referrals to, you know, psychologists. And much of the time in these consultations, the conversation would always go back to my weight. I'd, you know, nearly always be asked to stand on the scales um, in most of my consults, even though my weight had nothing to do with what my appointment was for and that became really traumatic for me and my mindset and how I felt about myself and my body because not only not once did my doctor ever ask me to talk about my relationship with food or with exercise or how I felt about my body it was always you know a conversation that went a bit like this so okay you weigh this much and you need to weigh this much according to your BMI I need you to increase your exercise, um, you know, cut out certain foods out of your diet and go see a dietitian to help with the meal plan. And then I was sent on my way without any real support. And, you know, it was a really hard for me because I truly believed that I had to lose weight. A doctor was telling me I had to lose weight, so I have to. And the ways in which they were telling me to lose weight was disordered eating behaviours. You know, I was already getting exercise. Um, you know, telling me to increase my exercise is is not healthy. Um, you know, all bodies are different. Everyone's different. Um, I was doing the things that I enjoyed doing, but I felt like I had to do more. Um, cutting, cutting out foods that's just sending people up for failure um, and also recommending me to a dietitian that, you know, couldn't really support me with what I was dealing with. And I know that this happens a lot with fat people. People in larger bodies are usually taken less seriously. And I don't know if there's research on this, but I'm sure like a lot of these people are women. And it sort of ties into the question again. You know, they'll see a doctor for something that is completely unrelated to their weight and, you know, either be told 
to lose weight um, and you'll get better or just focus on weight as a topic of conversation instead of talking about the reason why they were there and you know I'm fortunate enough to um, I think most of the time I have had my initial concerns addressed um, and then we go on to a subject about weight but you know the reality is for many people in larger bodies um, they just don't feel comfortable going to a doctor because you know they're they fear the weight stigma that they might receive during the consult. And honestly, it does feel like you've definitely experienced at least some some hints of what we of what I was mentioning in terms of like getting a, struggling to get a diagnosis, struggling to um, actually be heard. I think you went through a lot for sure, and I think it's very inspirational how you decided to turn that around and actually um, transform it into a positive, uplifting um, job and career. So at what point did, did you train to become a body image coach? At what point did you decide that you were comfortable enough working around that subject that are giving you so much pain and, and actually change it around and deal with it for your whole life? So around 12 months after I started recovering from binge eating disorder, I decided I really wanted to help people who were also struggling with negative body image and disordered eating. And I was considering the idea of, you know, studying counselling, um, but, you know, across my own personal journey to wellness, I, you know, discovered that people were coaches and mentors and, helping out people with a range of different issues and many of these people were using their own lived experience with you know certain parts of life to guide others through their own journeys and I thought wow that would actually be really amazing like I really loved the idea of counseling getting into counseling or therapy but I thought I could really thrive as a coach. Um, I'd be able to share my personal experiences with clients and I felt that I didn't have to put pressure on myself to be fully recovered, that I could continue to be a work in process, a work in progress, sorry. Um, but most importantly, I wanted to be someone to help guide people on their journey, to sort of hold their hand and show them that they aren't alone. And I think another, I was sort of steered to coaching more so over, you know, psychotherapy because of my, my history with mental illness and eating disorders. You know, I, I'm quite stable at the moment but I know that I I still struggle and I'm not sure if I have the capacity to engage in you know someone else's therapy as well as my own and you know maybe that's just a limiting belief that I have but yeah I guess I was really drawn to coaching because 
I could be imperfect um, and let everyone know that I was still struggling, um, that I was only a few steps in front of them. And like I really do believe that coaching does complement the psychotherapy side of things because I know for me personally, I would have really benefited from some from some peer support on my own journey. I know how important it is to the recovery process to realize that you aren't alone in this because it does remove some of that guilt and shame that often people experience and the guilt and the shame is really hard so yeah um, last year I trained as a life coach to build up on my coaching skills to gain some confidence that I would be able to work with clients to my best ability and I've used that qualification along with my own lived experience um, as well as techniques that have helped me to really thrive and I'm always looking to further my education and knowledge especially around body image and eating disorders and you know how I can support people. Again that sounds absolutely absolutely great um, I'm just curious, like, why do you think we immediately think of diet as the solution for some kind of dissatisfaction with our body rather than actually um, go on a journey of self-acceptance and self-analysis and actually, you know, sit down with that discomfort and actually try and break down where it comes from rather than just getting rid of it um, because, because it bothers us? Um, when actually there might not even be anything wrong with it to start with you know nobody ever really um tells you off for being on a diet it's it's very rare but most of the time diets are not prescribed by qualified people diets are homemade diets are trendy diets are all a big system to sell more of certain products or certain foods so I'm just curious to hear your opinion on it So I think it comes back to the messages that we are fed throughout our life about bodies. It's the lack of body diversity in the media. It's the way smaller bodies are celebrated and larger bodies are often discriminated against. Rarely are we taught that we can accept ourselves the way that we are. And instead we're told that we can be happier, we can be successful, desirable, confident, beautiful you know if only we were smaller and diet culture really preys on our insecurities and we are lured in by these false promises of having it all of of being liked being accepted feeling sexy being sexy being attractive you know if only we just lost some weight and as long as we have Messages like this push towards us every day from, you know, the diet and the weight loss industries, we will nearly always turn to that instead of finding that acceptance within ourselves. You know, we're often afraid of how others might view us if we give up dieting or weight loss and just accept ourselves. I think there's a real stigma about that. And, you know, it's not our fault that, you know, we're afraid of that. Um, it's just how we're wired as humans. So unless we, we're losing weight or dieting, we're sort of seen as giving up or being lazy or unhealthy. Um, so it's really no surprise that most of us do turn to dieting and changing our bodies rather than 
the act of self-acceptance. And I think the reason why is just the product of our society. So, you know, our peers, our friends, our family, um, the messages that we're fed throughout our our day, everyday life. Um, so, you know, social media, um, you know, advertisements on TV, the, the types of people we see represented. That's that's all very very true. Do you think you could um you could walk us through your process of working with a client just in order for us to better understand the difference between um getting prescribed the diet even through a professional and working with somebody whose focus is not on making us lose the weight or changing our body size but on making us accept that. I'm just interested in you sharing your work process and your approach? So at the moment with my body image coaching, I do have a couple of different coaching services. Um, The first one, I work with a client for either a three-month or a six-month period with a session every two weeks. And what usually happens is in in our initial session, we'll chat about what's happening in their life, um, what are their current thoughts and feelings about their body, what's holding them back from body acceptance, um, and we'll also get clear on what they really want to get out of body image coaching. So through this discussion, we'll set a couple of goals for them to work on towards um, creating positive body image um, throughout our series. And um, some previous clients I've worked with have had some really varied goals um you know also different but you know really similar things so things such as you know feeling content in their body um honoring their body for for what it does um you know being an advocate for their body by honouring their feelings, intuition and happiness or, you know, something as simple as feeling at peace, feeling proud and at peace with their body. So there are, you know, types of examples. We also do some work on um, intuitive eating, so, you know, creating a healthier relationship with food and exercise. Um, There are so many different goals that people come to me towards and that's the great thing about coaching is that you know all my clients are different all of our sessions are different um, because you know while we all want to feel accepted in our bodies um, you know we're all dealing with different things so we then sort of finish our first session by setting some actions for my clients to work towards in between our sessions, um, which will help them get closer to achieving their goals. And then during each of the consecutive calls, uh, I'll help them create a personalised action plan that will help them to work towards their body image goals, um, while also introducing them to tools, resources, and personal insights to help them begin to make peace with their body and to feel comfortable in their own skin. Um, My coaching practice is weight inclusive, so I work with clients of all body types um, and I work with my clients using a non-diet approach. So 
I practice the health and exercise principles. Um, and instead, we just focus on changing and reframing their mindset and beliefs about themselves and their body rather than prescribing to weight loss or the, or the need to lose weight. Um, so in addition to these um, coaching series, I also offer once-off sessions to help clients who may have um, like a special event or a special occasion coming up that they need some support with. So, you know, for example, they might have a wedding, an engagement, um, a milestone birthday. You know, some, sometimes Christmas can be a really overwhelming time, um, you know, just before summer hits, any sort of major event that triggers some negative thoughts about their bodies. So instead of focusing on some long-term goals, it's more short-term with support to help clients to you know, implement those strategies that they can use to assist with the specific challenges that they're facing. That is so cool. Very, very cool. I, I really hope, sincerely hope that in the future we'll see more people taking up this technique and working with this a much more positive and uplifting method. Thank you, Sarah, for having been on the podcast with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I say this all the time, but it's very true. I, I am deeply grateful to each and everybody of my guests. And um, yeah, I wish you the best of luck with all your work. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast, Alessia. It's been so wonderful to share a bit about me and my journey and my work. I really appreciate it. And for everybody that's interested in knowing more about Sarah, she runs an Instagram account called Kindful Body and Mind. You will see it linked on Instagram as well. She shares um, snippets of her life on there, what she's reading, what she's doing and how she works. She's also got a website that you can find on their bio. So please, please go and follow her. And if you don't follow her Instagram page already, please go follow Happy Gals with three underscores. Um, to stay up to date with all the latest episodes. These will now be coming out once a week with a different subject every time, somehow related to body image and diet culture. And I am looking forward to the next one. Take care, everybody. Speak soon.